Okay, so we are in, in Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, um, it, we, are, we covered last, last time, which was two weeks ago, we talked about Abraham and Isaac. And now we're going to talk about Isaac the son. The amazing thing about Isaac, when he was there, and he was, he was about to be offered up, and his own father was about to, to cut his throat, he knows... For the rest of his life, he will know that it was only by a divine intervention that his life was spared. Had it not been for that angel that spoke up and said, Abraham, Abraham, his life would not have been spared. Only by an unmerited favor from God was his life spared. And that he will always know. Now in Hebrews chapter 11... It says in verse 20, so we had several verses about Abraham, many verses about Abraham, but we have just one short sentence about Isaac. Verse 20 of Hebrews chapter 11, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith he blessed Jacob and Esau. That's it. That's all it says. And then it goes on to Jacob. And so here in in Hebrews chapter 11, remember what he's trying to do is he's trying to show them that these people lived by faith. And you're to walk in faith because you have, you're, you're thinking about going back into Judaism. That would cause you to end up in Jerusalem and cause you to die in Jerusalem in the 70 AD onslaught, onslaught that's going to come. Even though he didn't know the exact date, he knew it was coming. So let's look back in Genesis. We're going to turn back to Genesis chapter 25. We're going to look back in Genesis and we're going to learn about now about Isaac. Because remember, as Jews, he could... Tell them about Isaac, and they had already know, they know this very well, because these are the scriptures that they studied all the time. For us, we have to go back and we have to look at, at, at the life of Isaac. So in Genesis chapter 25, it says in verse 19, now these are the records of the generation of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. And the Lord answered him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is so, why then am am I this way? So she went to inquire of the Lord. So it talks about Isaac, and it says Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to be his wife. But he didn't just go out and pluck a wife. This, there was a huge amount that went on between Abraham and his very trusted servant. He told him where to go to find a wife that, that he wanted for his son. The parent, Abraham, was very involved in this selection process. Abraham was very involved in the selection process of a wife for his son. And it was, it was through this that God interceded in that very action. And so I think it is a real tragedy if we, we don't involve the people around us, our families and those who are important to us that we respect in these decisions because it's a really big decision. And what happens is, is that, is that uh, there, there are these molecules in our bodies that are called hormones and these, these can be, be peptide structures or they can be other small molecules and they can give us this, this, this feeling that we know everything 
and we don't need anybody else to tell us, and they can really mess up our judgment, really mess it up. And so what happens is when you have trusted people outside of a man-woman relationship that can watch this thing from the outside, they very often know better than we would know ourselves in the midst of this whether it is right. And our parents know us very well. Our parents know us very well, even if they're unbelievers. They often know us very well. So to involve other people is really quite scriptural. And Abraham was deeply involved in the selection of Rebekah, but we're not going to get into that. He was 40 years old when he married Rebekah. We're not sure how old that she was, but she was probably less than 20. And, and uh, um, she was barren, and so her husband Isaac prayed, and her womb was open. So we would think, oh... So she's barren, so she went three or four months, no child, he prays, boom, she, has a, she gets pregnant. No, that's not the case at all. He was 40 years old when he got married. Let me just read verse 28. And at, it, it, at the end of verse 28, it says, Jacob, it, it says, Isaac was 60 years old when she gave birth to them. All right, so she, he was 40 when he got married, he was 60 when he became a father. For 20 years she was barren. Think about how, how sometimes we can pray. Lord, I need this. Uh, I don't have it yet. And so we can be very short about this thing. It was 20 years. And the Bible doesn't say, wow, what faith. It just It's expected that this man had faith. He prayed. Now we don't know if he prayed three months into their marriage or if he prayed one month before she got pregnant. We don't know exactly when he prayed. But we do know that there was a gap of 20 years. A lot of times we don't receive things right away. That's part of life. Welcome to the world of living with God. He is not our genie in a bottle where we rub it and we get whatever we want instantly. So it says that... that. Uh, she felt all this struggling going on in her womb, so she inquired of the Lord. So she was a godly woman, so she went to inquire of the Lord. This is uh, uh, in the end of verse 22. Now verse 23, it says, And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two people will be separated from your body. One And one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So this is really interesting. He said, There's two nations in your womb, and... and uh, uh, they're going to come out and the older one is going to serve the younger, which is not the natural order, especially in that culture. Because the older one got what was called a double portion. And so the way it worked in that culture is that the older one would receive a double portion. That would mean that his inheritance would be two-thirds of what the father has. The remaining one-third is distributed between all the other children. That's what the double portion means. So that's the way it would be divided up. But it says that the older is going to serve the younger in this case. When the days, when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. Now the first came forth red all over like a hairy garment, and they named him Esau. And afterward, his brother came forth with his hand holding onto Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when she gave birth. So she inquired of the Lord. The Lord gave her a word, a powerful word. It's very hard to think that Isaac didn't know about this word. 
but it was a very unnatural course of action. So this first child comes out, he's quite hairy, and he's named Esau, and it's believed that Esau means hairy. The other one, Jacob, is holding on to the heel of his older brother, and then he comes out of, of the womb. And so they gave him the, the name supplanter, one who supplants, one who holds the heel. And, and that's what Jacob means. So let's look, look at these boys' lives. When the boys grew up, so now they're no, they're no longer kids anymore. When the boys grew up, we don't know exactly their age, maybe 20 years old or so, or, or late teens. When the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a peaceful man living in tents. Now Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. When Jacob had cooked stew, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. And Esau said to Jacob, please let me have a swallow of that red stuff there, for I am famished. Therefore, his name is called Edom. But Jacob said, first sell me your birthright. Esau said, behold, I'm about to die. So what of what use then is the birthright to me? And Jacob said, first swear to me. So he swore to him and he sold him his birth. He sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. And he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So, so there's these, these, this lentil stew. Whenever, so in, in, in other translations, it talks about how these were red lentils. Whenever I see red lentils, I think of this story. So it says that Esau was a skillful hunter. And the father, it says, loved Esau. It doesn't mean that he didn't love his, his other son, but he had a special liking for Esau. And it gives us the reason that he liked Esau. It says because he had a taste for game and Esau was a skillful hunter, which is a very bad reason to favor a particular child. A very bad reason. And we are going to see poor judgment out of Isaac repeatedly. And you think, hey, this guy's in the Bible. How could he have poor judgment? This book is full of people who have poor judgment. And that's what gives us hope. (laughs) That in spite of poor judgment... The Lord is able to work in our lives. He likes him because he can fill his belly with the game that this guy gets. It is purely self-centered like. It says, Rebecca loved Jacob. doesn't give us the rationale of why she loved Jacob, but it says, Jacob was a peaceful man. And he liked living in tents. So he was a, he was a homebody. He liked being around. And, uh, uh, and he was a peaceful man. And obviously, uh, um, Jacob liked to cook. Actually, Esau was a good cook too, which we'll see. But Jacob liked to be in a tent and Jacob liked to cook. And so he had cooked this red lentil stew and his brother comes in famished from the field. He says, give me some of that. Now, most brothers, well, I don't know about brothers, but most human beings would say, sure, sit down, you can have some. No big deal. But I guess most brothers would say, no, you can't touch my food. There's no way. I cooked this for myself. So that, that's kind of brotherly. That's the way brothers often are. I don't know how it was in your home. But, but um, um, with my brother and I, that, that, that my, with my brother and me, that's exactly how it would be. So he comes in fantasy. He says, give me some of that. He says, I'll give it to you, but you've got to sell me in exchange for your birthright. Now remember, birthright is two-thirds is going to one guy, one-third is... And, and, and Isaac had gotten everything, almost everything that Abraham had was given to Isaac. And Abraham was a very wealthy man. So this was a huge amount of money here. A huge amount. 
And he says, Esau said, behold, I'm about to die. So what use then is the birthright to me? He really was not going to die. One of my sons, whenever he's hungry, comes and he says, I am starving. What is there to eat? It's like, you're not really starving. You're really not starving. But he's like, everything's got to stop because he's walked in the house hungry. This is exactly how it was with this guy. He walks in the house. He says, I'm about to die. I mean, so melodramatic. I'm about to die. I don't care about my birthright. You can have it. And Jacob's very clever. He says, you swear to me that I have it. So he swore to him and he, he, he gave him the, uh, the, the, uh, the birthright. This event of giving up the birthright causes us to find in the New Testament several things that are listed about, about uh, Esau. It says of Esau, he was, he was an immoral and godless person in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 through 17. Esau was an immoral and godless person. It says, it says that uh, um, uh, in, in Malachi, the, the last book of the New Testament, it says, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated, God said. And it, it talks about why he hated him. It's because he sold his birthright for a bowl of lentils. This is what he cared about, the things of God. There was very little caring for the things of God. So when there is a resentment, when we resent the things that God has placed before us, an open resentment, many times we do things out of foolishness. We just don't know. But this guy grew up in a home and in a culture where he very well knew what a birthright means. And to disdain what God has put before us brings in great troubles. So it, was, it ended up being great trouble for him. So, so, uh, uh, so that's the background on, the, on these two. And now if we turn to Genesis chapter 26, we're only going to read one, uh, two verses from this chapter, the last two verses, Genesis 26, verse 34 and 35. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and Basimoth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. So this little passage is just put in here that Esau would go out and he married two women of the land, not of the Jewish family. And he married these two women and they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. There's no interaction here between their parents. In fact, it seems as if their parents had no role in this. It says that that, uh, Esau married these people. So when we just blatantly go out, and I've seen this many times with young people, where they will blatantly go out and make a decision on marriage, all by themselves, because I don't need anybody to tell me. I love that, I love that person. I don't need anybody to tell me. I know what I'm doing. It's all right, I know what I'm doing. All right. You know, I remember those small molecules, those hormones that, that can take charge of your life. They're really small molecules and they, they, they control this, this entity that's, that, that, that's, that's uh, uh, 10 to the ninth times bigger than the size of the molecules. They just control this entity. And so you see this sort of thing happening. But it, it's, it's almost as if the parents had no input on this thing. Okay, so let, let's look now in Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27. Now it came about when Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see that he called his older son Esau and he said to him, 
my son. And he said to him, here I am. Isaac said, behold, now I am old and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take your gear, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare a savory dish for me, such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat so that my soul may bless you before I die. Okay, so Isaac is now an old man. We don't know exactly his age, but we do know that he is going to actually live 20 to 40 years longer than this instance. He totally is wrong on predicting when his death is going to be. It's between 20 and 40 years after this date. His eyes were too dim to see, so he probably had cataracts over his eyes, things that these days we, we deal with very easily. And they called his older son, Esau, and he said to him, my son, and he said to him, here I am. Actually, that word older is not really older. That older means my preeminent son, which men, many people would, would assume is, he, he means Esau. And he said to him, my son, and he said to him, here I am. This is exceedingly familiar between Abraham and Isaac. My son, here I am. The same sort of dialogue. But here, now there's a total difference in the way Isaac says it. He says, behold, now I am old and I do not know the day of my death. Remember Esau? was sort of melodramatic. Hey, I'm going to die anyway. What, what good is my birthright? This guy is totally wrong on the prediction of the day of his death. But he, so he says, so he's not close to dying. He says, now then, please take your gear and your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me. Hunt for me and prepare a savory dish, dish for me, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, so that my soul may bless you before I die. This is the passing on of the blessing from the Father to the Son. It is a huge thing in their culture. Huge. There are two things that he's going to pass on. One is the birthright and one is the blessing. The birthright Esau despised and that's already gone. And now the blessing is about to come and Isaac takes this very lightly. It's all about me. You don't hear anything. There's no mention of God in this. In this whole passage, that whole portion that Isaac spoke to his son, there's no mention of God. Remember the last time I spoke, we talked about the, the, the first conversation between a father and a son noted in the Bible was between Abraham and Isaac. And that conversation had God clearly in it. Here there's no mention of God. It's all about me. You fill my be belly with something that I like and I will bless you. But another interesting feature here is you're going to fill my belly that my soul may bless you. Actually, his soul is going to take over. Rebecca was listening while Isaac... Th this is now verse 5. Rebecca was listening while Isaac spoke to his son, Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game to bring home, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me, that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you. 
Go now to the flock and bring to me two choice young goats from there that I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father such as he loves. Then you will bring it to your father that he may eat so that he may bless you before his death. Jacob answered his mother, Rebekah, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me and then I will be a deceiver in his sight and I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go, get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made a savory dish dish, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her elder son, which were with her in the house. And he put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the young goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. So also, she also gave the savory food and the bread which she had made to her son Jacob. So, Rebecca goes into action. Remember, now Rebecca is remembering exactly what God said. The older, the, the, the older is going to serve the younger. Isaac has either forgotten, which is unlikely, or he has decided to go his own way and just deal with these children in their own way. And Esau was not a good man. He really was not. The Bible, the New Testament reveals to us that he was an immoral and godless man. Yet his father wanted to go the natural order. There was an order that was prescribed by God. And Rebecca moves into action. And uh, we will comment later on, 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 on the rightness or the wrongness of her actions. But she was listening and she heard this. And she spoke, when, when, when uh, um, Isaac said these things to Esau, she heard this. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game, she tells uh, uh, Jacob, she says, look, you better get ready. She says, behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. She actually does not belittle her husband. She does not say, look, that old rebellious man, she doesn't speak poorly of him. She says to Jacob what he had said to Esau, but she actually even adds in the portion and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death, which Isaac never said. There was no, Isaac never brought in the name of the Lord. And that Lord there is, 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 is the word Yahweh. This very sacred name for God to the Jewish people. She is the one who brings this in. She is the one who's holding on to godliness in the home. This is not at all unusual. Very often, you will find men who do not take up their role in teaching in the home. And it is up to the mother to teach this. And the mother is the one who's holding on to faith. Very often, you will meet people they say, my grandmother was off always praying for me. My grandmother told me this. You know, where was the grandfather in all of this? Where was he? So often you will find that it is the, the women in the families that hold on to faith. The women realize the treasure of this. And men lay down their roles and allow the women to take it. It's a sad thing because that was never made to be that way. They both should be pouring into the lives of the children. Both should be taking up their roles. And so I challenge you young men, 
Remember, you do not want to shrink back from the obligation that you're going to have in your home. The obligation that you're going to have to teach your children the ways of God. What they ultimately do with it, we don't know. Nobody knows. But when they are old, they will not depart from it, the scriptures say. There is an obligation. And this is what you want to begin to look for, young ladies, as you begin to discern. If you are getting interested in a guy and all this guy can do is say over his food, thank you, Jesus, amen. If that's all that he can pray, you don't want that guy. Because that means, that, that's a sign. That tells you that he never prays. Because people who spend time in prayer don't just say, thank you for this food, amen. They don't do that. You can tell if a person spends time in prayer by watching and listening, how do they pray? It is much better to be married to a godly person than a godless person. And you say, well, he's a nice guy. Well, I'm sure he's a nice guy. And the nice guy is going to take your kids fishing on Sunday. He's not going to take them to church because he himself is not interested in this. This is an eye that you have to have. You want to have an eye like this. You want to begin to have a discerning eye. This is why if you frequent, say, nightclubs, men, you'll meet a barmaid. Women, you'll meet guys that frequent nightclubs. But if you frequent churches, if you frequent outreaches, if you frequent mission trips, you will meet people that are like-minded. This has a huge effect. You want to meet people in the very settings that you appreciate. The very settings that are going to bring life and health and peace to your home. You say, well, he's a nice guy and boy, is he handsome. It'll go away. All that niceness will go away. And all that beauty begins to, to fade after a while. And, and we know why that happens. The soft tissue, the, the ends of the bonds start, start the, the, the interactions start to fray and, and becomes looser and it, it hangs down a little bit. All of this goes away. But there are treasures that remain of godliness that remain. You want to watch for these things. Watch for these signs. Where do you find these people? You find them on mission trips. This is why you go on mission trips. You find them in service. It is. This is why you go on mission trips, to be around like people. This is, this is a great place to find it. And, and I've, I've, I've known lots of people, they go out on the mission field and they find their spouses. This is what I tell young women. Because this invariably happens. If, if a woman hits 25 and she's not married, she right away starts thinking, oh, am I ever going to be married? And I just tell them, calm down. You learn to serve. You learn to serve in the body of Christ and some young man is going to see you and he's going to get interested in you and he's going to recognize that you are a woman who serves. And it is a beautiful thing because Jesus demonstrated to us service. Young men, you learn to serve in the body of Christ and it is a beautiful thing. And so there were characteristics in Esau that were not good. There are characteristics that you can look for. And we're going to just build upon this. It is just amazing. But even in the midst of this, when Isaac was not walking in the way he should walk, and he's about to toss out a blessing that has great meaning in their culture and great meaning in this, in, in this line, she knew that if, it, if the blessing goes to Esau, this is deadly. 
Because she knew the promise from Abraham. There were two covenants made with Abraham. The covenant of circumcision and the covenant of the land. And this had to be passed down. But who was Esau married to? Esau was married to two women who were out of the line, out of the Jewish line. There was no way this could be through Esau. And plus, he was a godless man. Godless man. And an immoral man, it says. She knew this. Mothers know their sons. But in the midst of that, she did not speak poorly of Isaac to him. She did not speak poorly of Isaac. She actually spoke and added to his words to make it look a lot more godly than it really was. She spoke well of him. And this is a lesson for us. That spouses can learn to speak well of one another. Not to speak of them in an ill manner to other people. You speak well of one another. Remember this, ladies. Even if your husband doesn't measure up to everything, you speak well of him, especially to your children. You speak well of him. Build him up to your children. Husbands, remember, you can greatly hurt a woman if you speak poorly of her in front of other people. You speak well of them. You speak well of them. And you build them up. She spoke better of him than he deserved by bringing in the name of Yahweh into this prayer. And we'll pick it up from there next time. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the truth of your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would work in the lives of these young people, that you would work in their lives to cause them to keep a proper eye and a discerning spirit when it comes to who they might think about for a spouse, who they might consider. Father, that you would give them hearts of service, hearts to do things that are right and good. Father, to be serving and that they would find like selfless people that serve as well. Father, I pray that you watch over these young lives, that you give them good marriages to spouses that love the Lord and that are willing to teach the right things to their children. Father, please work in their lives. Lord, I pray that they would remember this message if they're considering somebody who doesn't know how to pray, somebody who doesn't know how to seek you. Father, I pray that they would think about these things. Lord, I pray that you'd open their hearts to be open to counsel, open to their parents' counsel, open to godly counsel in these big decisions in their lives. Father, watch over them, I pray. And Lord, I pray that the treasures and the truths that are dropped into their lives would not go without thankfulness, would not go despised, but they would appreciate, Lord, the things that you place in their lives the things that you have taught them through the scriptures. Father, bless them, I pray. And Father, for those here who do not know you, Lord, I pray that you'd open up their hearts and draw them to Jesus. Lord, open their hearts, I pray, for the glory of Jesus. Amen.